Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. It's good to be here this morning. Uh, my family and I just love coming here because we live in this town. And uh, this is the church that God built, amen? And, you know, it's one thing to receive a miracle from God. It's another thing when you get to meet in a miracle every week. And that's what really makes this place special. And um, we just love you guys. We deeply, deeply appreciate you. And uh, we pray for all of you. We pray for the leaders. And uh, we pray for God's continual blessing and provision upon this place. Because we know that God is going to do something fantastic in our town right here in Munster. And uh, the reach isn't going to be just in Munster. It's going to go beyond that. And uh, I just want a little piece of that action. I'll just be honest with you guys. <laughs> I just want to join you. I want to be a part of that. And I just want to see what God's going to do. Because God is always up to something, amen? God is never dormant. God is not just wringing his hands. He's not just wondering what to do. God's got a plan. And God's going to move. And he uses people just like us to do that. And so I am really, really excited, and I'm glad to be here this morning. So thanks for allowing me to come back again. I appreciate that. I want to um, talk to us this morning about transformation, about transformation. I'm just going to move this out of the way. That'd be okay? Just want to put it here. Transformation. You know, so often, so many people who come to see me, they talk about the need for change. They come and they say, Pastor Todd, I've got all these issues in my life. I've got all these problems. And I'm praying and I'm asking God for change. God, change me. God, change me. God, make this part of me better. And my word to them is always this. You're praying the wrong prayer because God does not want to change you. The gospel has never promised us change. What the gospel promises us is transformation. The gospel doesn't promise that Well, the old version of us, before we knew Jesus, before we came to Christ, God's just going to take that version, and He's going to shine that version up a little bit. He's going to improve that version. He's going to give that version of us some gifts. That has never, that has never been the outcry of the gospel. The gospel is that that old person dies. We die in Christ Jesus. In His death, we are united with Him. And then what does God do? He brings us into resurrection. Resurrection life. Newness of life. And that, friend, is transformation. Don't settle for a better version of the old you because God is not going to give you that. Don't pray for that. Don't ask for that. God wants us to live transformed lives. Transformed lives. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. It says this, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. This verse is saying, each and every one of us who come face to face with Jesus, as we were talking about this morning, as we look at Him eye to eye, As we come into His presence, to come into His glory is to do what? Is to come into His very, very presence. As we come into the presence of God, transformation begins to happen. This is God's plan for us. 
This is the end game. That as we're exposed to God's glory, as we're exposed to His presence, the Holy Spirit, it says the Lord is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit begins to work a powerful transformation within our lives. Sometimes we get before God and we talk and we talk and we talk. The real thing that we need is just to come before Him into His presence and be quiet a little bit. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever just gotten alone with God and say, God, I'm not saying much this morning. I'm not saying much tonight. I just want your presence right now. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to listen. I'm going to help my senses be in tune with you and with what you want to do in my heart and life. When we do that, it says that we are being transformed into his what? Into his likeness. Now let's not get this vision in our heads of the Jesus that the world thinks of who sort of looks like a hippie and he has matted hair and he walks around yelling at people. This is the Jesus who went up high upon a mountain with his friends and he was transformed before them. And the Bible says that his face shined like the sun. This is the Jesus of Revelation where it says that his eyes were like blazing fire. This is not the Jesus who walked around and just yelled at everybody. This is the Jesus who was a light in the world as he lived in his human body here on earth. This is the Jesus that we're being conformed into. This is the likeness that God wants to make us into. And it only comes by being in his presence. It comes by prayer. Now my text this morning is going to go to Luke. So let's turn to Luke. Luke chapter 11. This is the Lord's Prayer that we're going to read this morning. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer of transformation. It's a prayer of power. Jesus told his disciples to pray this way. It's interesting, you know, before I was saved, I got saved around 10 years old, and um, I was a churchgoer with my family, and I'm not going to say what kind of church I was a part of, but saying the Lord's Prayer was always a part of what we did. You go to church... And you stand up, and somewhere in the liturgy of things, you would say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And you had to do it in Old English, otherwise it just didn't work, you know. And so we would say the Lord's Prayer as a matter of ritual. And we would say it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. But there was no transformation in it. As a matter of fact, we said it as quickly as we could just to get through it and to get on with the next thing, and then to get on with the next thing after that so that we can be done as soon as we could and get out. That's not God's plan for transformation, is it? You know what? I, uh, <laughs> it's a funny thing. Up until the time I got saved, I thought God's name was Art. Our Father, who's art in heaven. I'm serious. Do you know how embarrassing it is when your dad asks you to say the prayer right before dinner? And you're like, dear Art. <laughs> so my dad would call the church and say, my son is naming God Art. Is that okay? But God wants us to get beyond ritual. This prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is meant to be a a powerful prayer that works transformation in our lives. Now, it's not about just repeating these same words over and over again. But it's about taking to heart what Jesus is saying. This prayer not only works transformation in us, it teaches us something about the transformative work that God wants to do in us and how He's going to do it. And I want us to look at that. So let's go ahead and... um, Look at Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. 
When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say. And he starts out with, Father, Father. Right at the very, very beginning, Jesus is bringing transformation through this prayer with the very first word, with the very name of God. Now consider this. The disciples, who were Jews, they understood Old Testament law, they understood the stories, they understood the heroes of the Old Testament, they understood Moses and how God interacted with Moses, and they also understood God was the deity who was up on the mountain, and the mountain had storms and thunder and lightning, and they wouldn't even dare touch the mountain at the bottom. They wouldn't even go near it. They were so afraid of him. They called him the God of Thunder. And then it was that same God who commanded Israel to destroy their enemies. And it was the same God who told the enemies of Israel to destroy Israel when they disobeyed and when they gave themselves to idolatry. So God was the God of thunder, and he was the God of war to them. And so here now, in this transformative prayer, Jesus starts by saying this, It's time to address God as your father. It's time to see him as your dad. And the reason is, transformation only comes through intimacy. Through intimacy. There's no way that we can begin to receive that transforming work of power and of righteousness and of freedom unless we're doing what? Unless we're intimate with Him. We have to come to the place where we can say, God is transcendent. He is the God above all things. But He's also the Dad and I can crawl upon his lap. And I could be myself with him. I can just talk with him. I don't have to be afraid of him. He's not afraid of my shortcomings. He already knows everything. He just wants me to be exposed to his presence, to his glory. And so Jesus says, when you pray, just start out by saying, Father. The Greek word there, pater, is where we get the English word paternal. He's a father. He's a parent to us. Then Jesus says, Father, hallowed be your name. We are meant to be a people transformed into a people of worship. Worship is our first identity. I just want to say this this morning. We are not primarily servants who worship God. We are primarily worshipers who serve God. Now we have to get that order right. I've known a lot of people in my life who have willingly served the Lord, served the church with their hands. They've given it a lot of of their own physical energy and their minds. And in the end, they just end up discouraged because they set actual worship aside to, to become people who do nothing but serve. Our identity, first and foremost, is that of people who worship God in every way that He would call us to do it, not just singing songs on Sunday morning. But we're meant to delight in Him. To see His glory. To be filled with His love. That's first. You know, I think about Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. They were beaten. They were scorned. Probably had broken bones. Probably laying there naked in the bottom of a cold cell. Very damp. 
There was nothing that they could do to actually serve God in those moments. They couldn't lift their hands. They couldn't build a building. They couldn't even give people clothes or food, all the things they were probably used to doing in the apostolic work that God had given them. They couldn't do any of those things but lay there. But what could they do? They could go back to their true identity as worshipers. So what did they do? They lifted up their arms and they began to worship. And in a matter of moments, chains just miraculously broke off. When we walk in our true identity as worshipers, freedom comes to us. So we always, always, always have to get this right, that we are first and foremost worshipers of God. We are people crafted and created by Him to take delight in Him and to love Him. To say, Father, Dad, hallowed is Your name. I worship You. I, I worship the very name that's over You. In verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 2, Jesus prays this. He prays, Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Meaning, Father, I want there to be a transformation from what you have in heaven to earth. Now, Matthew's version of this prayer is longer. And it says in Matthew, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says, pray this, that the reality of heaven hits earth hard. The reality of God's love, the reality of his power, would come and affect the very ground that we walk on and the very planet that we share with other people. Did you know that God wants to release his kingdom through you? He wants to release it through you. I remember several years ago when I was in a place of struggle and... Um, I was dealing with some sin in my life, and I finally came to the point where I thought, you know what, I just need to get along with God and pray about this because my best efforts aren't getting it. And I had this picture in my mind. Now, I don't get a lot of pictures, and I don't get a lot of visions. That's not how God speaks to me personally. He speaks to me in other ways, but I had this picture in my mind of this clay jar that had very large cracks in it. And all of a sudden, I remember the scripture out of 2 Corinthians 4, that we are what? We are jars of clay. That we have this treasure of God's kingdom, infallible jars of clay. And so I began to pray, Lord, help me to fill in these cracks in this jar. Help me, help me to be a whole person. And God spoke to me immediately. And he said, no, I don't want to fill in those cracks because that's where the kingdom gets released. I don't need you to be a whole person. I need you to be a broken person. So that in your brokenness, as you talk with people, as you have conversations with people, the kingdom will be released through you to others. God doesn't want you to be a perfect life. He doesn't want you to be a perfect person. He wants those cracks there so that the kingdom of God can be released through you to others. God wants us to be able to have significant conversations with people who don't know him. The kingdom of God has to be leaking out of us in order to do that. God wants to heal the sick through us. Have you ever had a prophetic word for somebody in a store or in a restaurant? That is an amazing thing. Ask God for that. Say, God, help me to be that transformative, shining light today. Give me an encounter with somebody. Give me a word of knowledge or a prophetic word. Allow that kingdom power that fills me right now to come out and touch somebody else.
It's an amazing way to live. My wife does that all the time. I'm so proud of her. She will speak Jesus to people anywhere, waiters and waitresses and people she meets at McDonald's. She's getting prophetic words for people. What is that? Well, as she's receiving the kingdom of God in her own brokenness, it's just leaking out and it's affecting people around her. I'm not perfect. She's not perfect. But through that brokenness, the power of the kingdom of God gets out and it affects others. And Jesus is glorified. Now, verse 3. Jesus shifts the topic of transformation to daily needs, and he says, Give us each day our daily bread. I don't know about you, but I don't actually pray, God, give me today the bread that I need. Give me today the food that I need. I mean, I trust him that it's going to be there, I thank him that I'm employed. Not everybody is employed all the time. There was a season of life where I was not employed. So I know what that's like. But right now I am, and I thank God for it. And I sort of take for granted the fact that uh, when I come home, my wife will be cooking or there will be food in the house or we'll go out to a restaurant or something. But I doubt that what Jesus is saying, uh, ask God to give you a loaf of Wonder Bread every day, wrapped in its plastic and it's just sitting on the table. You come down, downstairs out of bed in the morning, and there it is, Wonder Bread. I believe what Jesus is praying and what he's teaching us to pray is this. What he was teaching the people of his time, essentially, was this. God, we have planted seed. We have planted crops. And we ask that a harvest would come so that there would be grain for us. God, we want to believe you for that. And that, God, those olive trees that we planted, we're believing you that there's going to be ripe olives, which will give us oil. Because we need grain and oil to bake bread. And God, we're believing you that there's going to be wood that we can bake this bread with. So in other words, it's not just that we'll have bread on our tables, but it's a prayer that we're believing that God is going to supply everything that we need every day with all the steps along the way, because God is into the details, isn't he? You've heard sort of the, the old saying, the devil's in the details. Well, that's false. God is in the details. God is in the details of our lives, and he wants us to trust him. As we do, transformation begins to happen. Before we know it, we're not just praying for our daily bread, but we're praying for others. We're able to ask God to meet the needs of other people. What is that? That's the kingdom leaking out again. That's God's kingdom come to earth. Verse 4, Jesus prays then, Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Wow. 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 There is such transformation in the forgiveness that Jesus offers sinners. Not only sinners, but us who know him and who struggle and continue to sin. We know that when we receive forgiveness from the Lord, that it changes us. It moves us. It takes a hold of us. It knocks off the strongholds that we can't break. It takes away the chains that we can't remove. This is the forgiveness of Jesus that He offers us through His own shed blood. The forgiveness of our sins transforms us into a new creation. But we have to be willing to forgive other people. The limits of forgiveness that we place on others will be the limits of forgiveness that we place on ourselves when we go before God for forgiveness. 
In other words, if I'm only willing to forgive Ruth twice. Ruth, the first time you sin against me, I'll forgive you. The second time, I'll stretch myself and forgive you once more. The third time, you're done. I'm going to be bitter for the rest of my life. When we go before God, and when we need forgiveness, we may sin once and receive forgiveness. We may sin twice in the same thing and believe that God's going to stretch himself to forgive us. But the third time, we're going to have difficulty believing that he's willing to go the mile for us. In order for us to be transformed by forgiveness, we have to be willing to release that transforming forgiveness to others. Did you know that we can hold people captive in our own unforgiveness? God wants us to be free of sin, of bitterness, of strife, of racial hatred. But we have to be willing to forgive first. Because when we do, what happens? Our hearts get freed up. Our hearts get freed up. It's like if I had a cup here and I wanted water in it, I'd be foolish to fill it with dirt, wouldn't I? Why would I walk around with a cup of dirt and ask for water? It just doesn't work. What do I have to do? I've got to empty the cup first, don't I? When we forgive people, when we release people, God does a transforming work in us. It produces an emptiness that enables God to fill us then. Who have you not forgiven yet? Who is it in our past that we're holding in bondage because they've done something to us maybe over and over again and we're struggling to release them? We're struggling to release them. God wants us to set people free. Why? Because he wants to set us free. The cross is about our freedom. Jesus gave himself to the men who tortured him, to his own captors, to the men who hid him, and he released them. He didn't hold any bitterness against them. Why? Because Jesus wanted to forgive us too. I heard it said once that being bitter against someone, hating them, holding anger against someone is like trying to poison them by drinking the poison yourself just doesn't work. It never happens that way. God wants us to release people. And as we do, the transforming love of his forgiveness will come and set us free. And then in this last part, Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation. And in the Matthew version, it goes on to say, but deliver us from the evil one. Some people get really confused in this verse. Why do we have to ask God not to lead us into temptation? Well, the fact is this. God doesn't tempt us. The Bible says that very, very clearly in the book of James. But we do know that before the cross, before we came to Jesus, we were captives to temptation. We were slaves to sin. Whatever sin wanted us to do, we had to do. Whatever temptation came our way, we usually gave into. That's my story. I don't know about anybody else here. But we've been transformed from a people who were slaves to temptation to a people who have been delivered. From temptation to deliverance. This is God's plan and purpose for each and every one of us. That we, we would receive His deliverance. Sometimes every day. There have been seasons in my life 
where every day I felt like I was held captive by something in my life, some sort of sin, some sort of stronghold. Every day it reared its ugly head, something different all the time. And I had to go before God every day and say, God, deliver me. This is not right. This is not acceptable. And I always received God's grace to be set free, to be delivered. Sometimes I had to talk to other people. Sometimes I had to get honest with some of my friends that I trusted. But whatever I did, as long as I knew that it was God's plan for me to be set free, and I went before Him and I asked, God never ran out of delivering power for me. And that's true for all of us here. God wants us to walk in transformation. So my word this morning is this. Let's not settle for change. Let's not settle for change. Let's not settle for improvement. This prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is a prayer about transforming the way that we live, the way that we work, the way that we hang out with our friends, the way that we interact with neighbors, the way we tell people about Jesus. This prayer is a prayer of transforming power. And so I just want to give you this homework this morning. Can I do that? Is homework okay? I'm going to ask that over the next seven days, we would take each one of these parts that I've laid out this morning, and every day we would begin to focus on one of those parts. So day one will be Father. And focus on what it means that God, He's not just the God of thunder, He's not just the God of war, but He is your heavenly parent. He is your Father. And how is that meant to affect you and bring transformation in your life? And then day two, take a look at worship and hallowed be your name. We need to get this prayer, this transforming prayer, deep inside of us. We can't just do what half the world does and just recite it as a matter of ritual. We need to really get it into our getter, get it into our being, get it into our heart, get it into our soul and our spirit. Because as we do, transformation will take place. And that's God's plan for all of us. Can you say amen to that? Let's all stand up. I understand that we're going to be taking communion next. And uh, maybe the worship team needs to come on up. That would be great. Isn't it wonderful that God loves us just the way we are, but yet He's working that transforming work in us all the time? Only God can do that. Only God can do that. I just want to pray for us. Lord Jesus, we, we thank You for the very words that we read this morning from the pages, Lord, of the Scriptures. Lord, thank You Thank you for the work of transformation that we have through the gospel. Lord Jesus, thank you that salvation isn't just joining some religion, Lord, but it's a redeeming, transforming, powerful work, Lord, that you do by your blood in us that changes us. God, thank you that every word that you spoke from those pages are true this morning. And I just want to pray for everybody here, Lord God. For those who have been struggling with themselves, Lord, I want to pray even for those who don't like themselves. They look in the mirror every morning 
and they say, I don't like who I see, I want change. God, I pray that they would no longer ask for change, but they would ask for a deep work of transformation within their hearts and minds. God, I thank you that by the power of your Holy Spirit, your kingdom can be released, Lord, through us to affect, Lord, this town, this area, this neighborhood, and farther beyond. I thank you, God, we don't have to be afraid because the work is not a matter of our effort, it's a matter of yours. But we do cry out for this one thing, God, that transformation would take a hold of us. Thank you that your word says that we're being moved from glory to glory. God, thank you that there are steps in this transformation that we need to walk through with you. God, thank you that as the Spirit of God begins to move and to convict us in our hearts, Lord, those are steps of actual transformation that's happening. I pray, God, for all of us right here in this room right now, that we would be ones who yield ourselves to that transforming work of the Spirit. God, that we would never, Lord, hold that off, that we would never say no, but we would always say yes. I thank you for that. God, I even pray for those right now who are doubting. Those who are thinking that they'll never amount to much. Those who are thinking because they may not feel very smart, they may not seem very spiritual, they may not know a lot of scripture. God, that they are who they are and that's who they're going to be for the rest of their lives. God, I pray that you would pull the veil down from their eyes right now. And I pray that they would be able to see that they are worthy because you died for them. You have made them worthy. God, and that you have a plan for their lives. God, and transformation will reveal that plan. And I thank you for it now. I thank you for it now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We say we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We need you, O oh God. We need these words to not just be words on a paper, O oh God. We need these words to go deep into our hearts and to our minds, O oh God. And we need your freedom to take a hold of each and every one of us. We thank you for that, Lord. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your Holy Spirit. In this, Lord Jesus, we put our trust, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.